0: I don't think I could have got gotten through any of that without
1: you. <laughs> oh, any of it. Uh, oh, that's so nice. We're going to have a moment right now. I'm going to shed a tear. Yeah. And, I mean, same, dude. <laughs> I There were moments where I was like, what the fuck, dude? What am I doing here? I'm reading this thing. People are going and so stuff. I can't do anything. And then this girl sitting next to me, and she's just like, you're great. And I was like, <laughs> I am great. And I go back to typing and that was it, you know, (laughs) it was just, yeah, the little boost that I needed to keep going, which was nice.
0: Welcome or welcome back to the elevated podcast hosted by Lisa Bataglia. You are joining a community of elevated empaths who embrace their duality, honor their empathic superpowers and live consistently from their authentic soul. The Elevated Podcast tackles conversations around empathy, energy work, sexual energy, manifestation, and social and cultural insights. Thank you for tuning in to the Elevated Podcast and taking the time to nourish your roots and elevate your soul. Let's get into it. What's up, my empathic hoes? That was really aggressive. I apologize for that. (laughs) What's up, Elevation Nation? Welcome or welcome back. This is the Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa. I'm so glad that you're here. We didn't have an episode last week. Honestly, this month has been fucking insane. Literally so insane. What's going on? Is it the retrograde? Is it just life? I've heard a lot of other people like having fucking meltdowns within the last couple of weeks. I don't know. I don't have the answers on this one, but the answer I do have is that something energetic is funky and it's going to be okay. We're all going to get through it. I'm feisty today for a few reasons. One of the reasons I'll tell you about later. One of the other reasons I'm going to touch on now, maybe I'll go into this next week a little bit deeper for a solo episode so it can have its moment. But my... I don't know how else to put it, like my arch nemesis of like six years and I had a talk after not speaking for six years. We had a conversation yesterday and it was healing and beautiful and we both were allowed to say how we felt about everything that went down and it was so wild and crazy and yeah, I, I'm gonna tell you, I'll, I'll give it its whole episode, um, and tell you more about it then because it needs some more, you know, unraveling and processing on my end. And I think it's a really interesting experience for me to share with you because I know that we all have someone like that in our lives, and it was a really empowering experience to be able to have an open and vulnerable conversation after all this time. So after that, I feel light. I feel lighter. I feel great. I feel better. <laughs> it was crazy. That's one thing. And then there's like a whole slew of other things that I've just made the last couple of weeks so insane. So there was no podcast episode last week, but I am making up for it this week. And I swear you're going to love this one. Before we get into today's episode, I want you to know that I have two one-on-one coaching spots open right now. If you're interested in getting that one-on-one personal coaching with me, we work on everything that you feel like is blocking you from being able to live the life that you want to live essentially. And as empaths, we take on the thoughts and opinions and energies of the people around us all the time. And we start operating as if their opinions and energies are our own. When we really need to come back to ourselves and figure out what do I need? What do I want? How do I want to live my life? How can I make decisions for myself and not for other people? And from there, we have so much ownership and agency over our lives. And then from there, we just manifest so much quicker because we're doing it from an authentic place that's true to us instead of living our life for other people. So if you're interested in getting that one-on-one coaching experience with me, the link will be below to apply for coaching. You just fill out a form, tell me what you're looking to work on, and we'll go from there. I also have group coaching coming in the new year. Very exciting. I thought it would be good to have an option for group coaching. So if you're interested in coaching, but you think a one-on-one setting is either too much money or too much time commitment, I'm going to be opening this group coaching program. So more to come on that. I'll put up a wait list for you if you're interested. So keep your eye out for that. I also do, as you know, Akashic Records readings. We're talking a lot about the Akashic Records on social media right now because Q4 is a really good time to get an Akashic Records reading because a lot of stuff with family comes up. A lot of traditional family stuff can come up during this time. It can be very triggering for some people. So the Akashic Records are a great place to get some answers, some clarity, some energy healing. That's a great place to do it. And I just created a free download, a free, F-R-E-E download for you it has over 30 questions that you could ask the akashic records to help you brainstorm and you can ask questions outside of that list as well but it it can help you brainstorm what you can get from the akashic records what types of things you can ask the akashic records and there's a little bit more info about the akashic records and that link will be in the description below. It's new, it's free, and it's just kind of fun to look at and think about it so you can brainstorm for your next reading. And if you're looking to book your reading, you can book your reading at lisabtag.com slash readings. I also do animal communication readings. So if you're looking for that soul connection with your pet looking to make a deeper connection with them, looking to get answers from them. If there's something behavioral going on or health, a health issue going on that you want me to look at, I'm happy to do that. And you can also book that at lisabtag.com slash readings. And the Healing Your Sexual Energy course is here. Yes, it's here. It's been here. It's there. It's so excited to have you do it. (laughs) And our sexual energy hosts so many other things and you hear me talk about this all the time our sexuality hosts our creativity, our self expression our self intimacy and when we tap into our sexual energy and heal our sexual past, our sexual traumas our past relationships, we can basically heal anything else in our lives because we've touched such, we've healed such a taboo aspect of our lives so the link will be below to enroll in that course, it's a 15 section course, it's so robust you'll get so much out of it and more. And if the money is an issue, I want you to know that if you heal your sexual energy, you can manifest money quicker. And so you will get your return on that investment and more by healing your sexual energy. Today on the podcast, we are joint... Jasper just looked at me funny. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, that sounds horrible. Please never do that again. Today on the podcast, we have my dear friend, Abby. Abby is the law enforcement response lead at TikTok. What did you just say? Yes, she's the law enforcement response lead at TikTok. If you don't know about my past, I'll give you a little snippet of it after I introduce Abby. Abby has been in this industry of law enforcement response for over four years, and we worked together at Snapchat, and she was my trauma-bonded sister for life. And so if you don't know what law enforcement response is, basically any social media app that you use that is that involves people creating content, anytime someone does something naughty on one of these apps... Law enforcement will come to a team on that social media app and ask for whatever evidence there is of that, that they can give with the right data privacy and all all those things come into play. So that's the work that I used to do. And it's what uh, propelled me into the work I do now, because I realized at the time that I was taking on the energy of the stories I was reading all day, every day. It's You're reading about the worst parts of humanity all day, every day. And it really impacted my life and how I showed up in the world. And it was then I started to realize like, oh, I'm an empath and empathy goes so much deeper than just feeling emotions for other people. And so I'm really excited to have Abby on because we talk about that experience, uh, figuring out how to manage our emotions and our emotional roller coasters in dealing with this type of work. And we we recorded this before the Facebook hearing, but it's even more relevant now if you haven't watched all of the stuff that's been happening with Facebook and the Facebook whistleblower. This is very relevant. And it's all kind of information that we already knew. Um, and it's just kind of being more, it's becoming more public and becoming more well-known that this is happening at some of these social media companies. And a lot we talk about the importance of child safety on these apps, of course, and we talk about the way that tech companies are treating the employees who do law enforcement. and we talk about a lot of other things and and making sure that you're having the support when you're in a space that is difficult, whether you do this work or not, whether you do work that's challenging or not we all have these moments of needing that support and how to recognize signals that you are not okay or that you could be more okay and you need that more that support in your life. So we talk about that. We talk about dating while doing this work. <laughs> we talk about being in relationships while doing work like this. So if you... If you aren't in work like this, I think you'll find it so interesting and valuable. If you are in any work that is heavy or shows you the darker parts of humanity, I hope that this helps you feel less alone. And I'm really excited and I'm really grateful for Abby for coming on the podcast and sharing her experience so vulnerably. It's not easy to talk about this stuff. And I was just I'm I'm so grateful that I have this space to be able to share that past experience with you all because it was it was life changing obviously and it's what propelled me into the work I'm doing now and it's helped shaped what I wanted to be doing is helping other empaths uh, move through types of work like this so I hope you love this episode I know that you will don't forget to like follow. Share, subscribe, write a review, and please rate this podcast five stars and write in to tell me what you think about this episode. I'd love to hear from you and let me know what you'd like me to talk about next. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome back. This is the Elevated Podcast. I am joined by a very special guest today. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. My dear friend Abby is here. I am so excited. Yeah, Abby, welcome to the podcast.
1: Lisa, I'm so hyped. I finally made it. Um, like Lisa mentioned, I'm Abby. I've known Lisa now for a hot minute, and we've met each other through our last job. Uh, and I'm still doing the same kind of work. So what does that say about me that I'm still doing this kind of work? Um, I love me it. You're um, badass. It means I'm a badass. Thank you. Uh, but I recently now have a more supportive team than I think I've had in previous environments. Um, and how I got into this kind of work, honestly, I was working at a law firm, knew that I didn't want to be an attorney. And if that's where you're at a law firm, you're kind of shit out of luck. And I got recruited by someone who said, Hey, there's a contract position at this social media platform, you know, not the best pay, but it's an opportunity. And that was it. That's, that's where all of this started. And then I took the ride and, you know, it's paid off. I've enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. So for those who don't know, In my backstory, (laughs) I worked in in a law enforcement relations team for one of these tech companies. That's how Abby and I met each other in, gosh, 2017,
1: 2018. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah.
0: And Abby and I worked together for nearly two years, I believe. That was our overlap. And then we both left because, you know, (laughs) lots of reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to go to law school, which was, we had, we had similar experiences where we, we thought we were going to become lawyers mm-hmm. and we decided that wasn't the, is that what you decided wasn't the right thing for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I tried, I worked at two different law firms to like try two different types of law and just, they didn't do it for me. And I was just like, yeah, this isn't what I want to do. And I knew I wasn't going to become one.
0: Yeah. And so, how did you find that it translated to your work now? Like, did you f- f- do you feel like it is a good in between of not necessarily going to law school and doing the lawyer thing, but still touching the law?
1: Yeah, I think i had never. I think I had heard about operations before doing it, but in my mind, it's always been like a logistics thing. kind of like I think operations. I honestly think like Amazon shipping, uh, but this was a good in between because it does test me in my analysis abilities, like reading a lot of legal documents, making sure I don't miss anything. And then also being confident, you know, that once you give feedback or pushback back to, to the other party, it's merited. I, I don't think that I wouldn't have that ability if I didn't have that background, which um, has been super invaluable.
0: Yeah. And I was, I was going to go to law school. I was going to be a lawyer. And then I realized 9 p.m. before classes were going to start. I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> right <laughs> fuck this i was like fuck this so now you are a hot shot law enforcement lead yeah at another top tech company that <laughs> everybody knows about we'll say it it's, it Everywhere. rhymes with rick rock it's called tiktok
1: <laughs> <laughs> for sure <laughs> i call snapchat rapchat yeah. Yeah. Allegedly. Right. We'll put it like an asterisk or something next to it.
0: Allegedly. It's allegedly called TikTok. So what has that been like, you know, in a position of such power?
1: Oh, when you put it like that, Lisa, like uh, I don't, I guess I don't think about it often that, like that way, but I think now two years in, since I left that company, I've came here to have seen the team grow so much and to have a say in most of the people on my team will get hired on the kind of culture we want to build. Um when I say to my manager, you know, like maybe some people are burning out or I'm burning out, I'm taking a day. It's heard. I think that's that is power, right? And that's really cool and I don't feel guilty about it. So that's why I'm happier here cuz it's not so it's not so hush-hush about those issues that people are dealing with.
0: Yeah. And let's get into that cuz that's the meat of what we're going to probably talk about today. Yeah. Because the work that I used to do that you do now is, is for the average person pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And you're reading about the the darkness of humanity all day, every day. Yeah. And there has been a lot to I don't know how much you've seen of this is a lot start starting to come out about the way that Facebook didn't handle taking care of their workers Mm-hmm. and how Mark Zuckerberg said, it's not that big of a deal, something like that. Like you're making a bigger deal out of it when yeah. they weren't taking care of their contractors, providing them the support they needed for what they were seeing and all of that. So I'm glad to hear that it's much better where you are now. What are you, What do you think of all of that that's starting to come out about Facebook?
1: <laughs> you know how I've always felt about Facebook. I, I haven't had Facebook since 2015. And definitely my life, uh, my life, like my healthiness, it's, it's gone up. But how do I feel? I, I think no one was surprised, you know? I think people were just more like, he just put it on the record. I think that was the most astounding thing. Um, but I think for, for the people doing this work, I think it goes to show, right, that usually contractors, like we used to be, they usually get the short end of the stick, especially with the types of content that they're seeing and especially with the types of resources they're giving, which are usually none,
0: and what do you think you've probably had it first ex- like firsthand experience, but if you were to go into an environment like Facebook, how would you change that and help them?
1: Oh my god, how oh, this is assuming I want to go and sets an hour, right? because i I wouldn't want to for off, because I don't think Facebook wants to change, right? Like at its core, I think it's very happy the culture at least at the top, right? It's very content where, where it's at, but I think to change a culture like that, um, it has to start with the top down. So I think having those hard conversations and maybe having to change C-level executive mindsets is the hardest part. Um, I don't know, honestly, it's a big question. I don't know, because they they seem barely ingrained.
0: As much as I, it was one of the dream jobs for me. It was doing such incredible work and I felt like I was making a difference in the world. I felt you like were. you and
1: you did. <laughs> you did it, I'll say it.
0: <laughs> You're like, I'll fucking say it. <laughs> we were rescuing kids, missing children. We were, we were doing the whole nine yards. Yeah. So as much as it was so rewarding, I, uh, for me, it was, it was tough. And I, I noticed it impacting other areas of my life. And I'm curious mm-hmm. how you've been able to manage
1: that. Yeah. I think the first time that I think, so it's not, sorry, or whatever we were at before, right. We did have some resources. Right. And I think, um, knowing that like it was okay if it if, uh, the impact came out in unexpected ways was normal. I think knowing that would have been helpful because it wasn't, sorry, until other people in my life started to to notice certain things that I did, right. Like, my family and my friends, maybe my friends, if we were out and there was a public place and maybe kids were around, right? I would have like hawk eyes on the kids to see if other people were like looking at them or trying to make a move on them, which as before, maybe I would have done it, but it wasn't so active and maybe exhausting and constantly thinking about, you know, maybe like the people in my neighborhood, what are they doing behind closed doors? It was just a kind of a, a rabbit hole that I'd never gone through until till, till I did that work.
0: Mm. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's, that's something that a lot of, it's hard to explain to people who haven't been there and maybe people have been there in different situations. But I think with the volume of how much we would see all day, every day we your brain goes to a place of like, well, if this is happening all the time, mm. how, why would my environment be any different? Yeah. So why wouldn't it happen in my environment? And so I started to notice the more I was consuming that that information, the more like on edge I was getting driving home at night. Why wouldn't something happen in my 10 minute drive home at night? And like you said, noticing how people act around children so much more because of how much we saw that people would do to children. Trigger warning.
1: Right. Right. right.
0: Talking about intense stuff today. (laughs) So yeah. And like you said, it's you don't realize it until those things happen. Was there a moment with your friends or family that they noticed a change or anything like that?
1: Yeah. And I don't know. You can tell me afterwards if I should not say this, but I remember one night, I think honestly, I think I just maybe drank way too much, but I was drinking way too much because I wanted to forget something that I had read about or seen at work. And that was never the case, right? Most of my friends knew that, like, I, I never really talked about work because it's usually in the legal field or something private that I couldn't talk about. But for some reason, I couldn't let that go. And then I finally told them what it was that I saw. And they were just like, this is only the, the snippet that the one snippet that they heard about, right? What else have I seen? And they really encouraged me to take advantage of like therapy resources, um, <laughs> to not drink, to to process those things. So that was, that was the wake up call that I needed
0: yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because I think in the moment, I was doing the same thing. i was mm-hmm. I was definitely like going out a lot. I was with that group of friends that I've mm-hmm. talked about on the podcast I've talked about with you. There was more drug use in that group of friends. There was a lot more drinking, a lot more numbing. yeah, and so I felt like, okay, like there's there's nothing wrong with this. I'm just kind of parting with my friends. Right. But then when I look back on it, I was, trying to escape more than usual. And it's interesting that you were able to share with your friends the stuff that you saw and read about. Cause I think that's, that's great that your friends were willing to receive it.
1: Yeah. And I, and this is, that's what the messed up part, right? Like, I I think I was kind of blacked out because I don't remember what I said, but it was enough, right. That they were also jarred. And then I think seeing their reaction, not only of like how it's impacting me, but I'm like, I knew that it's not something that maybe I could constantly be showing at them because it would impact them. Right. And they wouldn't have the resources that I did. So at some point I'm like, okay, this might be lonely, but I got to figure this out if I'm going to keep doing this work. And, and what did you do to, what are some practices that
0: you do if you find yourself kind of inching back into that place?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, any drugs or substances, if I'm going through like a rough pit or if I'm seeing something bad, I definitely do not consume them. Um, I try to now, right, only do that if I'm in a good mood. Nothing's really affecting me. Um, But when something does really, really hit home, I do take probably, like, the day off, and I tell my team, and they're pretty great about that. We also encourage them to do the same. So I think now it's been normalized for me that this thing might hit you hard, even if it's, like, something pretty mild. It's just any given day, it lands differently. And I think also just constantly now I do work provided therapy but also private therapy I think it's it's a good balance yeah that's
0: something that's so funny because like I tell people like I had two therapists at the time yeah
1: and people are always like really <laughs> I just have a lot of feelings man leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> and
0: we would call it sad girl hour when our work therapist would come in
1: I still call it sad girl hour I'll put it in our bio notes and I think she loves it low key <laughs> <laughs> Sad girl hour. Sad girl hour. It's such
0: a good hour because you get to be sad and in your sad girl. I think also what I want to just touch on is the environment that you and I were able to create for each other in that space. (laughs) Because let's be honest, we needed to do it. We needed to create it for us because no one else was going to
1: right right right
0: (laughs) so and we made it fun believe it or not (laughs) we made we made things fun there and i think that helped me a lot just Um, feel like there was someone on my team someone on my side even if we were reading fucked up shit we could still have fun with it
1: yeah no i'm and i'm glad that you feel that way like i i laugh right because i'm just thinking about it right like And I I won't lie to you. I mean, I still miss those parts. Like whenever someone thinks about it, I'm like, it was just, uh, it's something to be said. It's like, oh, these people really care about making a difference and helping others. Right. But I still want to like be around them. They're fun. I think that was what made that very, I don't know, a very special team to work with, at least like the people that that, um, we liked or we found helpful.
0: Right. And I'm thinking about, I think people will find this useful because, you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about. The being an empath, being a sensitive person, highly sensitive person, the way that I discovered that through this work, because something that I always think about is the way that we were, (laughs) I mean, granted, the environment that we were in was conducive to this, but we were pretty reactive to when like loud noises would happen. The music would happen. Yeah. Someone's specifics music would be going on or. Pinkpongs
1: would be played. Pinkpong pop <laughs> would be flying by your face, you know, all that crazy stuff. Yeah, of course. I was just like, what's <laughs> happening?
0: Or the air conditioner would go on. It'd be 40 degrees. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or maybe like 80. Like It was just a give or take, but it was always extremes. Yeah.
0: Yes. And how it's just funny. It's not funny because it was like we were doing this intense work. And then on top of that, we were like put in this environment where it was loud and freezing and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And so it affected our systems more because of what we were dealing with. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I definitely think it impacted our morale. It was those lessons, right? But even there, like, I think we should also talk about like we were a new team, but in an older organization, right? So it was so hard to maybe explain what we did or at least get a sense of like urgency around the kind of work that we did. Now at the the new company that I'm at, that's definitely something we've like instituted at the core. It's like, this is what we do, protect those people's bandwidth and like everything else can wait. So I think that was one of the big lessons I got from that place.
0: That's amazing. And especially because I'd say the company that you're at now is is newer also yeah. new ish. and yeah. also, how do I say this? more used, popular? more pop more popular right now?
1: yes, for sure.
0: So how has that transition been from some like it was doing fine where when we went we, we when we were working there, but mm. it's kind of drifted off into right this is new place that you're at is something that a lot more people are using now and is kind of the number one platform that people are using right now, I would think. Mm-hmm. So how has that transition been?
1: Uh, I, I thought it would be, I don't know what I thought it would be. Honestly, I think um, because I was used to like huge volumes of like requests because at some point that app was popular. Right. So I was just, I think it prepped me for that, but I think it's been I think uh, it gave me a good foundation of like the things that I wanted to build here, right? Like some workflows don't really change because they're industry standard. It was easy to apply all that stuff, but it definitely challenged me to think about, right. How did I want to build the culture? How did I want to train people? Um, How would I want to, you know, lead this team differently than based on what I've done knowing that there is a high turnover for this kind of work. Right. So say someone only is going to be here a year. Like, okay, how can we make that year count and be more realistic about the work? I think that has been um, really important to me. And it's shaped how we built the team. Um, leadership here is very willing to hear us out and give us the resources that we need, especially for mental health. So I think for me, it's honestly just been a breath of fresh air. Hectic, mm-hmm. but healthy.
0: Hectic, but healthy. Yeah. Hectic, but healthy. And especially, like you said, if it's going to be more hectic, there needs to be uh more of a focus on all of those things the mental health and just taking care of yourself so i'm glad to hear that one of those top tech companies is listening
1: <laughs> definitely yeah i think it's becoming more and more apparent yeah for both full time and contractors which is good do you think it's something that
0: CEOs slash founders think about this type of work when they create their own platform
1: no <laughs> No, no, definitely not. I think, um, most of you right. It's like, this is build a problem to a solution. Oh, sorry. Let's build a solution to a problem, but not, you know, thinking about how their solution may inadvertently, you know, facilitate, um, abusive people because they'll find a way to exploit it no matter what. No, I don't think they do. In advance. It the dick pick app. I don't think so. Cause that's what <laughs> a, Or the predator app. It's awful. It's awful to, to think that's what your app is, but you know, or it's known as
0: what are the, what are the big goals for you? What are those big goals that you want to accomplish?
1: (sighs) I'm like, there's so many on a personal level, on a professional level. Yeah. On a personal level for sure. Find a partner who is supportive of this work that I do. um, Because I do think I'm going to be doing it for a long time. Like when I first, I think I told you this story, but when I first started this work, like I was interviewed by a guy who worked at AOL, Yahoo, and even then Google, right? And he straight up told me how there will always be this kind of work because people will find ways to abuse platforms. And it's just a matter, you know, of adapting. And that's, that's where I see my career going. So if someone could deal with that shit, you know, and knowing that sometimes I will have to, you know, drop, you know, maybe a meeting or something for a work call, I think that would be great. Starting a family obviously is very important to me. You know this. I need my my soccer team of babies, and I would love. Um, <laughs> I do. I need them, or I will adopt them. It's fine, but I I want that. Um, and I also definitely on a professional level want to get more people excited about this work. Make sure that they're equipped to do this work, um, well and for the long run. But you know, if they realize that it's not for them, also make sure that they have opportunities to to move outside of it
0: with within the work. Mm-hmm. What would you say are the big goals? Like if your work could change the world, how would you want to change the world through your
1: work? Yes, that's a great question. Change of work. Um, I think I would want the eight, like like uh, law enforcement, the people who are entrusted with protecting children to understand technologies better and understand how uh, the most vulnerable populations are using them. I think that's that big education opportunity is like what's really missing because ultimately, right, by the time they get to meet, the crime maybe has already been done or it's been in the process of being committed, right? But to be on the proactive side of that, I think they'd have to do more community outreach stuff that it's outside of my scope, but maybe we can definitely help facilitate if they have the right knowledge of um, what they're working with. Mm, that's great.
0: Yeah, as opposed to... Yeah. I remember those... <laughs> When they'd write in to, to us and be like, how should I fax this to you? And we're like, girl, it's 2018.
1: <laughs> Who has a fax machine? I was like, and I remember I turned to, to my manager at the time. And I think that like, either one of us were mad. And I was like, yo, where's the fax machine at? And are like, <laughs> like, Where
0: is this fax machine? <laughs> They're so funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or it was what, also funny when you, they said they had already faxed it. It was like, Bishware, where is it going?
0: <laughs> where? Where did you fax it? They just sent it to like the general phone number of the company, <laughs> which I don't even know where that would
1: go to. Right? Some landline like, at it goes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Evan has a fax machine. Oh my gosh. What are some other funny things that would happen? That we can uh, say
1: the I think the Britney Spears one was that was key. That was my favorite moment because I really did not mean for that sound to be playing, but out of all the sounds that could have been playing, that was oh. ideal. But Wait, I what do you was, mean? What What are you talking about? There was that one day when I remember I was like working on something and I had these I had these fucking headphones too, but I had the the Bluetooth feature and I was listening to Britney Spears and I like stepped far out of range, so disconnected. And then at some point, I just started playing, it's Britney, bitch. Dun, 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 dun. And like, everyone just ran to my computer to try to turn it off. And I was like, I came back and I was vibing. I was like, this is great. And people were just like, is that yours? And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. My bad.
0: You're just vibing. Everybody's Always. like,
1: uh, your computer, just like, fuck, 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 turn it off. Yeah, turn it off. But, yeah, and it was, like, new. Like, I, it was an appropriate time, whatever. It There was moments like that that cut the monopony.
0: I honestly feel like we should have had, like, full reign to do whatever the fuck we wanted.
1: Oh, I think so, too.
0: We used to deal. I used to deal. You still deal. I don't know if you deal with, like, emergency requests.
1: Yeah.
0: And it would be like, yeah, get to it, like, as early as you can. Then the next job I went into (laughs) that had nothing to do, nothing was an emergency, I (laughs) promise you. I was in apparel, but it was like, we need this immediately. If you don't get it to us immediately, like someone will die. And I'm like, (laughs) listen to me. Listen to me. We, I used to
1: deal with actual emergencies and this ain't it. It reminds me of that Kim, right? Like people are dying. Like the Kim Kardashian. It's like literally people are dying. I, now when I hear people outside of my life, right? Call something emergency. I'm like, stop. It's not.
0: Yeah. How has it like opened your eyes to what the world is actually like? I'm sure in a lot of (laughs) ways, but like, how has it?
1: Um, one of them for sure. Right. It's like, I think it gives me always perspective, right? That not only like right, could things be worse for me? But I should be more, you know, cognizant of people around me, what situations um, I'm in, my relatives are in, just things like that. I think it also makes me more um, proactive about right, like not getting them phones. Like I've decided this: my kids are never getting phones until they're 16. It's just it's not gonna. <laughs> it's, it's not gonna be a thing. How will that work in practice? I don't know, but things like that, and. Also with my friends, you know, and things of, like, data privacy and things like that, what does it mean? Um, and when it comes to like a political topic, right, it definitely makes me more aware of, like, okay, it's going to be a tool used by certain people. So it just gets messy in the politics of it. So I think it. I'm constantly just consuming that kind of information. Mm. Whereas before, I didn't seek it out because I just didn't care.
0: Right. Did you ever feel – because we were – handling all what you're saying, data privacy stuff, like very sensitive things. Did you ever feel that pressure that you were handling Uh, things and you were going to, if you slipped up it, like, did you ever feel pressure because of that?
1: Yeah, totally. Oh, always. And I remember there was one instance where like, I actually had made a mistake, right? I don't know if I told you. Apparently I had made a mistake, but no one told me about it. Until the time it came to my performance review, and I think that was also the moment was like crap. Well, like there's no way to fix it, but also now I think I'm better about like if someone on my team makes a mistake, you know, telling them right away what it was, making sure it's not a big deal, um, and containing it. So it definitely changed how I approach things like that that are sensitive.
0: I don't know if I knew that. That's interesting. She traumatized
1: me. It's not surprising. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> speaking of trauma, would you say that we're trauma bonded for life?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. I definitely got like, there sitting next to you and just like you would see my random faces. Like just there were so many iterations of like what we went through that I'm like, that you saw me through my breakup. Like, you know, it was a lot. It was a lot. I feel like you saw me in more. I was more always sad about things like that in my personal life than the work. And I think, yeah, I still wanted to share those aspects with you guys. So I thought that was that was nice. Totally.
0: Yeah. I think we're trauma bonded for life. There's like, <laughs> <laughs> there's no other way around it. Yeah. The, yeah. The, I were like my memories of some of like the worst things I've seen in this world. <laughs> have yeah. you been like, there's one memory in particular. I remember us getting this like one case and, um, It was just really, it was really fucked up, and I think I asked you a question about it, and you were—I remember you paused and you were reading it, and you were just like, "You, you answered my question," and then you were like, "Yeah, that's fucked up." (laughs) (laughs) It was like we were able to bring some kind of like, not humor, but just. Making a little it a little bit lighter for what we were re- dealing with.
1: Yes, the the one-liners were always on deck. Whether it was like from us or like some of our counterparts, there was just never uh, a dull moment for sure.
0: We could kind of speak to also like the way that we were able to handle some of that. As much as like it was tough, I think we handle it better than
1: some other people. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. I don't think we ever like, we never had like meltdowns in the office. We never, you know, cussed at each other, which I think it's cool. You know, like most of us didn't hate each other. So all in all winning. I
0: remember one line that we would have to tell some, some people, we would have to say tough titties.
1: (laughs) Yes. Leave my girls alone, dude. (laughs) 2022. Oh yeah.
0: It was like, it was about wait what was leave my girls alone about it was about like our
1: sex workers yeah like you know doing <laughs> their thing. okay
0: oh that's right
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will say this job i think that sometimes it makes me i think people think i'm callous or right numb to it but it's not that right it's just that some things are really egregious and other things it's like people are stealing pop tarts oh well you know from warmer it is what it is <laughs>
0: that was another question of mine like do you think you do you think you're desensitized do you think you have to be de- desensitized to do this work
1: or not yeah no no I don't think I am and I don't think you have to be I think some people are right and that's no fault from them because it's their coping mechanism but I think right there's they you still have to be t- in tuned enough because if it's let's say, self-harm or something, you still have to think about, okay, what is going through this person? Mind state, are they really going to harm themselves or are they going to, you know, commit this atrocity? And what can you do to help if it doesn't come to, you know, the resolution somebody wants? So maybe sending in-app self-harm resources where you can do and thinking outside of the box like that, you have to still be a little bit human to do that because you have to care. So true. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like you're doing God's work in a way?
1: (laughs) Oof what a word i i i don't think i am because i i, I don't like i i'm just scared to take something on that big but i do think i'm doing something good you know with my uh, abilities i'm teaching other people how to do it well and i think that will have a positive ripple effect so i'm yeah. doing something good that makes me happy it's very fulfilling it's almost libra season should we talk about that absolutely (laughs) okay I was like wait because that was I remember that was one of the first things I remember also just like typing and you mentioned you were into astrology and I was like oh I'm a Libra and that was it you know you were like Libras are my favorite people I was like we're gonna get along and Libras
0: are my favorite people I'm a Libra rising two of my ex-lovers are a Libra you're a Libra my dog is a Libra my cousin is a Libra. My best friend is a Libra. That's all I can remember. If I'm forgetting you and you're a Libra, I'm sorry.
1: Shout out to the Libras. It's our season. Shout out
0: to the Libras. Do you feel like you're a balanced hoe?
1: I think I am. My friends are always laughing when I tell them I'm hella balanced. I'm balanced F or something, you know? And they're like, "I have they met you? And I think, I think on paper I am, you know? But I think I feel things intensely enough that I will never be... Yeah, actually, balance. Do you know what your do you know what your like rising and moon are? I think I'm a straight up Libra, like across the board. But I'll have to check my uh, all that stuff.
0: Oh, we have to look at that. If you're a triple Libra, that would be
1: insane. Yeah, you're well, just exactly. all Libra. But they're always all crazy, right? Like that's my thing. It's like, but they're funny, you know. <laughs> it's like I don't think anyone wouldn't say that I'm not well rounded. I am. I'm just I the like day. I'm so crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm all rounded i'm just a little crazy yeah but yeah
1: like
0: yeah like the libra rising for me like balances me out that's why i appear balanced but internally i'm an aries moon which is like fiery as fuck that's why i'm just like crazy inside and then the taurus i'm just like stubborn and like to eat and get high
1: <laughs> lisa is fiery <laughs> as fuck yeah <laughs> but people don't expect them so maybe that's why you're balanced
0: yeah, I'm only fiery once I know you and
1: I'm comfortable,
0: like sharing how I actually feel about something.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's actually gotten feedback that I've gotten in my role, new role. The people that you know don't get to work with me as closely, or I don't share aspects of myself, they have told me that you know that I can come off as cold or as intimidating. And I was like, "What?" I don't think anyone else would say that about me, but um, I guess it's a thing. I'm
0: trying to remember my first impression of you.
1: God, don't! I was a hot mess, dude. I was like, "Hey, I'm oh, <laughs> <laughs> Probably with like my twenty different drinks, eating all the snacks. I don't know.
0: Uh, were you not? Were you on vacation when I started? Why do I have a memory of that?
1: Maybe. Where would you have been? Maybe like home in Reno or something, or like you know, crying over my ex somewhere. I don't know. Sad for hours. <laughs>
0: Side girl hour. I remember I don't think I met you right away. And I don't I can't remember why. I don't remember my first impression of you at all. I was so terrified. I was so terrified of everyone when I first started. (laughs) Like I didn't know what I had gotten myself into. I was like, who are these people? I, I was like, I don't feel like I'm going to fit in. I just like, don't, I just don't know what I got myself into. Yeah. And then slowly I start, we started to just trauma bond.
1: Yeah. We were just vibing. I was like, all right. They're like, this is the new girl. Lisa was like, what up? You know, just roll with it. No, <laughs> was it.
0: What up? Uh, I, I
1: will say that this job, it. nothing can phase me after this job, right? Like I'm like. What what else are you gonna throw at me? You know, like people are dying, dude. Like it's. I won't say that about this work.
0: Yeah, nothing phases you anymore, huh?
1: Mm-mm. You just have to do it with those kind of people. Like the people make this work work.
0: Yeah, so true. I think when it was us and our friend, <laughs> our one friend. <laughs> I think it was, it was, a friend, it was like, like you said. So two friends. <laughs> we had two. Friends. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We had two friends. Fuck yeah. (laughs) I was winning, dude. I had you guys. I didn't need anyone else.
0: Uh, Yeah, so true. So speaking of relationships, did you, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, relationships when you're doing this work, how has that been
1: for you, dating and relationships? Uh, Dating, horrible. Because I, I was with somebody at that time, right, who I... I think we were still figuring each other out. And then I had to figure out who I was going to be with this work impacting me. So I think it was just a lot of things. And I I wish I would have had more support from them. But I also didn't know that I had to ask for it, right? Because it's so so niche. So I think it was just maybe doomed from the start. I don't know. Um, But I think with my friendships, I've been more vocal with them with what I need. Uh, I don't really tell my family what I do. Because I think it would just freak out my mom and my siblings and my nieces. So... Yeah, I think when my friends are most most vocal and um, they're very supportive now when I need just to unplug from them too.
0: Yeah, that's the thing too. I felt like I was in a relationship. I was maybe like two years into a relationship when I started. Yeah. Something like that, year and a half to two years. And found that the work did change me. It changed how I saw people. It's changed my relationships. And I do think I took it out on the relationship at times. It made me kind of like, I I think I just took it out on the relationship. I took it out on him. I think it just kind of changed the way I saw things. And it also kind of some, to your point earlier, I found myself being like, I don't want to have kids. No, I don't want to have kids anymore because of doing this work. And so I think that was something that was a huge change. And that's actually when I started to realize like, wow, this is, this is not just changing my thoughts about the world. It's changing about how I want to live the rest of my life. Yeah. So that was kind of a turning point for me. Do you still not want to have kids
1: or has that changed?
0: I think it's changed. I think okay. now I feel like I'm in a better place to be able to do that. And I, I think I want. I don't want a soccer family like you do. <laughs> I do, yeah, but I get. You. <laughs> <laughs> but like, maybe one or two. See what happens. Yeah, no, we need nice. some some minis, some soccer team.
1: Yeah, I think, and, and but I think I felt what you felt too. Like I remember, right, when I was with my partner at the time, I remember telling her and being like, "Yeah, you know, like about not wanting to give my kids till I'm sixteen and all that stuff." And she was like, well, I got my phone. I was like 10. Why wouldn't we get them? And like things like that, right? Your philosophies on things start to change. And you really got to be like, who am I going to be? And who's going to want to share that with me? So shit got real, real quick at that job too. Shit got real,
0: real quick. Oh God. And it's hard to, (laughs) oh God. It's hard to explain to someone too. Like it's, it's hard to get them to see that how you are seeing it in that moment. That's how I felt at least with that relationship. it was it was like you can't tell you can't talk about what you do. you can't talk about the details necessarily of the things that you're seeing and dealing with because they are legal cases. so it's hard to explain to someone and also for I don't know how you I want to hear what your th- thoughts on are on this, but either people don't want to know they're like, I don't want to know, don't tell me or you don't want to put that burden on someone else or traumatize that other person with what you've seen. Would you, what's your experience been like that?
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. I've never had actually someone tell me that they didn't want to hear it. So if I met that right, like I would also not tell them, but I think, yeah, I, I saw my roommate at the time, just like, I think one time he just saw me cry. And then I briefly told him, you know, like, I would read about this kid being abused and he, like it was vague as that, right? For him to be like, oh my God, like shit, shit, shit. Like it's, things are are bad in the world and it's really impacting her. So that was enough for me to know that I didn't want to share with them. But again, right, it made me realize like, this is going to be lonely. So I got to figure out who I can share with and how I can get it out of my system because otherwise I'm going to be crying all the time. Yeah.
0: And I found myself too- it's weird. It's like as I've started to date after this relationship and I've talked about that work that I used to do. Mm. I've there like you said there's a part of you that wants to share it because you don't want to feel lonely. And right. I've always felt that like I want somebody to talk like to ask me about it and to be okay listening about it because there's a part of me that wants to share it with someone. Yeah. In a romantic relationship more specifically. Yeah. Agreed. So interesting.
1: It's not the same. Yeah. Like the fact that you specify romantic, I'm like, yeah, friendships are great, but it's, it's a different level of intimacy that you want.
0: Exactly. Because I think when you're in an intimate romantic relationship, there's, you want to share that intimacy with someone. And what we've gone through are really deep intimate things to talk about. So I think there's a level yeah. of like w- the things that we've seen we want to share with our intimate partner because it would bring a new layer of intimacy to the relationship. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not as crazy as I've thought it's as, as I've thought it is as I'm dating.
1: No, I don't think so. Honestly, I think and I'll tell you this now, I think, I mean, I'm dating now again. I'm actually like, yeah, I got to introduce you to, to my new person, but it's been going great. And I think it's because I have been open with them about, you know, needing time to unplug and things that affect me. Affected me. Whereas before, I think I still, you know, like if I saw something graphic, I still like try to go on date night and it's like, you know, that can't be happening all the time. So it's just finding someone, you know, who wants to to do the work with you.
0: I love that. That's great. What would you recommend for someone who's interested in doing this type of work?
1: <laughs> you be a little bit crazy. I, I, you can't do this work with like whack people. Right. And when I say this, I mean, you definitely can't take yourself too seriously or think that, you know, you're going to fix all the problems in the world because that's, that's exhausting to take on that burden, you know? So I think being realistic about what you can do and being okay with that, I think it's, it's it's good, and I think definitely find mentors who have done this work because um, if they've been doing it for years, you know they probably have more resilience strategies than I can speak to. I think the fact I think trauma bonded. I think if you have you explained that to people before, what it means like it doesn't have to be a negative thing, right? I think sometimes people hear that and they're like, you know, a level of intimacy and association with the somebody because of an experience, and it may be romantic, and it may be you know just fraternal but it's definitely something that you can only share with that person because they were there in the moment
0: i don't think i could have got gotten through any of that (laughs) without you
1: oh any uh, of it oh that's so nice we're gonna have a moment right now i'm gonna shed a tear yeah i mean same dude i (laughs) there were moments where i was like what the fuck dude what am i doing here i'm reading this thing people are going stuff i can't do anything and then this girl sitting next to me and she's just like you're great and i was like (laughs) I'm great. I go back to typing, and that was it, you know? It was just, yeah, the little boost that I needed to keep going, which was nice. I missed that. I can't look over now. No one's there. No one's there.
0: (laughs) No one's there to watch my side eyes
1: or throw candy at me, you know? I think something else that was cool, I think, right, the other ways that we found joy, right? I think like our sticker wall, right? When we got like positive feedback, I think things that are normally considered, you know, like, maybe dumb, you know, or juvenile, like there was still joy in that and that's also what just kept us going. Like sometimes a meme. Yeah, that was it. That's all we needed to just keep going.
0: <laughs> the Furby. The Furby on
1: fire. <laughs> Can you make that the 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 picture for this podcast? Show that to the people the Furby on fire. Cause it should be shared with more people.
0: The Furby on fire on the computer you're like yes. me <laughs> because you were on fire just going through tickets like a Furby on fire <laughs> I forgot yeah, exactly. about the sticker wall you have such uh, you yeah, have such a better I, memory than I do I think I just blocked it all out
1: <laughs> well that's, that's very telling and I think that's okay too right I don't think I remember some things on purpose but things like that I do remember always the laughs always remember that
0: yeah the sticker wall was for any time we saved a child or something like, mm-hmm. or saved a person or found a missing
1: person. I remember that was fun sometimes, like, you know, just ordering new stickers and it's like, this is not getting an adult human excited, but here we are, you know, getting excited about it. So yeah.
0: It makes the inner child happy, which is a big Boom. deal. Boom. Boom. I want to, I'm curious to hear your thoughts if you've been following it this whole gabby petito case
1: a lot of it it. has
0: abby doesn't need to see any more evidence
1: he did yeah he did it dog the bounty hunter has spoken it's him dude i was gonna
0: ask what your thoughts are because i think a lot of the uh leads that law enforcement have gotten have Mm -hmm. been from social media
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah so
0: i'd love for you to speak on the power of social media and investigations because it's all you do, essentially.
1: Yeah, I think, right, it's all user-generated content, right? Whether you're on where I work at, Facebook, it's all people posting whatever they want. And maybe, you know, it's like not necessarily video, but like a comment you write, a DM you sent, you know, a location you share, all that stuff, right, can be aggregated by uh, law enforcement people or investigators. So I think in this age that we're in, anything's public, you know, like nothing's private anymore, Um, which means right that you can cultivate more leads but it also means that if you're trying to do something illicit maybe there's more ways for you to also hide that Um, I think I'm so happy right that people did come out and you know say hey I saw it here they even went back and analyzed right like body cam footage from previous experiences to compare it with her so I, I think it's cool to see that people are passionate about it but You probably know Lisa, there's so many other people right missing that haven't gotten the level of attention that the FBI can provide. Um, and it would be nice, right, to have that same show support. So true. So true.
0: That's what's been so interesting. Another layer of it is like how much attention it's gotten. And then Mm -hmm. because of that, people were able to send in what they had some footage mm-hmm. of the van and all this stuff and their information. And who knows if it would have helped law enforcement so quickly had there not been so much attention on it. Cause I'm sure there's, like you said, there are so many others that you're dealing with pretty much every day mm. that don't get quite the same amount of attention.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure like Netflix probably has the right to it, right? So whenever the documentary comes out, it's also going to be more that we just, don't know about how social media can be used. You think he's alive? No, no. I'm excited for that trial. I think, right. Like it's just, I'm sure they're going to be broadcasting it or like, at least have like real time posts about like what happened in court. Cause it's, it has so much attention. Yeah.
0: Oh, and about, we didn't even talk
1: about Brittany. Be- yeah. Oh God. She's getting married to him. Finally. Yeah. Go her. <laughs>
0: Yeah, people don't know this, but I went to high school with Britney Spears's fiance. Before it's so back. interesting. We we're in the same year. He's
1: my age, and we've had very different lives, Lisa. We have
0: very different lives.
1: You could have been wifed up to Britney, but here we are during this podcast. Here we are.
0: Free Britney. Free, Free Britney. Anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap up?
1: I think I just wanted to say thank you for l- allowing me to to have this time with you. I know we've talked about doing it, but I think, like you said, you definitely got me by those rough times. And I always, always try to be that now for somebody on my team. So thank you so much for allowing me to share this space with you.
0: Oh, my gosh. Thank you for coming. I was, I've <laughs> been wanting to have you on for a long time because I think it's important to talk about our trauma bonding (laughs) and to help other people see that even if they're not dealing with the stuff that we, we dealt with, there's still ways that the world can impact their space and Mm -hmm. just knowing how to deal with it gracefully, have some laughs and have the people by your side that will go through it with you. And I think that's so important. So I'm, I'm so grateful for you for being with me in that journey and for being here on the podcast and yes, we just had the best time. And as much as it, as intense as it was, there were so many great memories from it. And so for sure, that was the, the greatest part. I hope you loved that episode Elevation Nation. It was so healing and great. For me to listen to again because I just am so grateful for Abby, as you could tell in our conversation, for creating such an environment where we could have fun in such a dark place <laughs> and be able to share our experiences. And you you don't get that everywhere. So I'm really grateful for Abby coming on the podcast for being my traumas bonded sister for life. And I hope you all loved this episode. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at The Elevated Empath. You can find out about all of my offerings and more in the links below or at my website, lisabtag.com. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, rate this podcast five stars, write a review, share this with someone that you know, your favorite empath, write in to tell me what you think about this episode and what you'd like me to talk about next. And I hope you feel so elevated and I'll see you next time.